Hey guys, welcome to Hope It Helps. My guest today is an entrepreneur who started his career working in the banking and finance industry. After working in a bank for a while, he discovered the world of blockchain technology and cryptocurrency. And as a result, back in 2017, along with his co-founder, decided to launch their own event company called BII Summit. The Blockchain Innovation and Investment Summit in a very short time has become the largest event of its kind in the Middle East. It's a business-driven event that attracts thousands of investors from all around the world to come participate, network, listen to experts, and drive business opportunities. During this episode, we discuss the future of blockchain technology and cryptocurrency. He shares with us the story behind launching the Blockchain Innovation Investment Summit, and we talk about the importance of creativity and finding your niche when starting your entrepreneurial journey. Through his experience, he learned that when it comes to making money in today's world, that there are no rules and opportunities are endless. His ability to take risks and quickly adapt have been key factors in his success. And the last message he wanted to share is to have a dream and start pursuing it by creating the best realistic first step. Please welcome to the show, the co-founder and investment director of BII Summit, Mr. Mina Butros. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Super excited. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. So, Mina, I think me and you actually went to school back in the day. In fact, I think you're in the grade below me. And now I know that you're running your, your own company called, and is, is it Buy Summit or B Summit? How do, how do you say it? BII Summit. It's the Blockchain yeah. Innovation and Investment Summit. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I thought the timing of this could have been better given everything that's going on right now with like fintech and crypto. So this conversation timing is perfect. Uh, but before we get into everything, Mina, why don't you give all of us just a little bit of background about yourself and we'll take it from there. Yeah, sounds great. So again, my name is Mina Botros. Some people know me as Mina Morgan. And uh, I, I graduated from school in New York. I went to business school. Then I worked for PwC. You know, I did the whole uh, big four thing. And then uh, I, Bitcoin was going up. It was like 3000 back in 2017. It was starting to go up. And I saw it as an opportunity to, to do something. Uh, I never really wanted to be an entrepreneur, by the way. And I think that's important. Okay. Like, I, I believe that you should flow. Uh, you, you know, you should try to grow instead of just like, hey, man, I want to be my own boss. You know what I mean? Sure. So I was just trying to flow. And I saw Bitcoin as an opportunity. And then I started my own business running blockchain events. It was the easiest way to get into the space without having to put any capital. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I was thinking like, oh my God, I, gotta, I have to do an exchange or I have to do my own ICO. I got to do something. But the event was the easiest way to get in there without any capital. So yeah, then I started my, my business. And, uh, and the, the, the idea of the business is to bring blockchain companies to Dubai from all over the world to help them meet investors and, uh, you know, raise funds for, for their blockchain projects. And they're doing all kinds of stuff. Some are doing ICOs, some are just using blockchain technology, some are Bitcoin exchanges. So I got to see a whole different bunch of uh, you know, stuff in the space. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think you made, that's, it's funny how you're like, that was the best way to get into it because there was no, I guess, that was the least costly way to get into that whole world. Like zero capital. Yeah, exactly. You just got to bring people together. So I get where the idea came from. Um, but when like, I think like many people, when blockchain first came out, and I think even till now, in general, people know what cryptocurrency is, for, but people don't understand what blockchain is, which is what this is all built off. So why don't you why don't you give us just a description so that anyone can understand of what is blockchain and why is it so important right now? Sure, sure. So, so again, I'm not a I'm not a blockchain expert, but because sure. I have to deal with so many different blockchain companies that come to me, I get to see so many different explanations, and I have like my own kind of explanation that is as close to the science as possible. Right? Sure. So, but blockchain is basically, it's literally uh, transactions or data data transactions that go through codes, and those codes go through different blocks. And these blocks can have like millions of different codes that need to be decoded for them to get to the next block. And the idea is that, you know, when, when data or, or transactions or money or whatever that goes to the blocks, it goes to the blocks so that people don't have to mess with it, right? Like the computer does everything, right? And that's why, you know, it's a bit more secure because there's no human interaction. So blockchain isn't like blockchain technology and cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and stuff, it's totally different, right? Because blockchain is the technology, Bitcoin is the result of the technology. But at okay. the same time, 
like blockchain was created because Bitcoin was created. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like the you. only way for Bitcoin to exist is to it's, use blockchain technology. And so when, so you got into uh, Bitcoin in 20, I think you said 2017, that's when you started the company. And at the time, like you said, it was, a, you said 3,200. So I remember back in, I think it was in 2019 when I was living in Amsterdam, that was like, that year was like the Bitcoin like hype and like Ethereum and all these other platforms and the prices were going crazy. So people were buying, I have some friends who invested, they made some money and everyone's kind of like, was in that phase like, should I sell now? Will it go up more? I don't know what, <laughs> I think that's a difficult thing. And then uh, last year, uh, from my perspective at least, or from the people around me and stuff, it kind of died down. That, that noise around like crypto and stuff, because I think the value went down uh, significantly. And now all of a sudden, here we are, beginning of the year again, and it's back and everyone's talking about buy crypto, invest in crypto. So since you're like in that space, why did it, I'm curious from your perspective, why was it, why was it so high in 2019? Last year it dropped and now it's all of a sudden picking up again. I, didn't, I don't understand. So maybe you could explain. So absolutely. So, so the, the, again, like the discussion about Bitcoin is, you know, can it replace like the US dollar? Can it be a currency? And there's so many arguments for that because, you know, the US dollar devalues every time the Federal Reserve prints money, right? Like it inflates, it costs more, more dollars to buy the same thing. Yeah. So Bitcoin doesn't inflate because there's a finite amount and it's not really tied to like interest rates and stuff. So, so that's the argument. But at the same time, you know, uh, governments need to kind of have a have a say in what happens and Bitcoin doesn't allow that because it's decentralized. So what I'm trying to say is the more people believe in the Bitcoin way versus the fiat way, the more the value of Bitcoin is going to go up, right? It's like an intrinsic means of value. So the more people believe in it, the more it's going to go up. So 2017, there was all this hype, ICOs were going on. So people were like, oh my God, this is the next big, big thing. So everybody's buying Bitcoin, it goes up. But then ICOs, are, like tokens, were not really doing anything. I couldn't go to the grocery store and buy stuff with tokens. So people are mm. like, yep, we've made as much money as we can. Let's get out. So then it crashes, right? And then, it, you know, it started to have more use cases, more use cases. Coronavirus hits. People start to lose faith in the government and stuff. They're like, you know what? Let me just put some stuff in Bitcoin, right? Mm. The vaccine yeah. is going to make me a zombie. I don't trust the government. <laughs> let me let me move to Bitcoin. Then it goes back up. And then when it reached, when it reached like, you know, a few months ago when it started to really pick up, uh, what happened, what used to happen was just normal FOMO, fear of missing out, people being like, oh man, I've got to have Bitcoin. But then that doesn't really change the price of Bitcoin so much because normal people, you know, the average person is going to put in like $1,000, $2,000. But then institutional FOMO started to happen like two months ago. And that's mm. when fund managers and, and hedge fund managers are like, you know what, this, this, this might be real. Let's just yeah. drop 1%. And 1% for them is like billions of dollars of their portfolio. So yeah. then, you know, you see like a, a massive spike, right? Like if, if like 50 billion drop in one day or you know, 10 billion, it just rockets up. Yeah. And I think you, the point you made about that, it's, it's intrinsic. So nothing, there's no external factors besides the people who have the money invested in bitcoin that are going to affect that price you know the the value of it going up and down so i get why especially like with last year with everything that's happened and corona and the world and everything that that is kind of like a little uh, it's kind of like a little island where like money all the money is here and we get to decide how the value like kind of goes up exactly yeah there's like i think 21 million bitcoins that can never be mined and uh, we've already already reached like 40% or 50%, something like yeah. that. And, one, and yeah, on that point, so I know from my understanding is because it's a finite, there's a finite amount, but every one you produce makes it harder to make another one. There's like a formula that makes it harder and you need a lot of computing power to actually mine Bitcoins to have like a, even enough to like be worth something. Exactly. So, so I'm, I, I, I want to like explain that because it's, it's really cool. Like what yeah. Bitcoin, like the creator or creators or whoever made Bitcoin, right? We, we don't even know, by the way, like people yeah. say Satoshi, dude, we, we have no clue. <laughs> that's, that's the truth. Okay. But wh whoever created Bitcoin or whatever group made it, they really thought like 
like 100 years ahead. It's the most advanced form of like economical creation we've ever had because you're right, like every time you mine a Bitcoin, the code becomes more difficult and then it becomes more difficult and more and more, which, which kind of makes sense. Like if you were like, we used to bank money with gold, right? And if you mined gold, eventually it would get harder. You'd have to go deeper into the mine. So you'd have to employ way more people and use a lot more to right? So it's like a, a natural progression, just using algorithms instead of real stuff. And, uh, and the only way like, so th there's a fear of like, blockchain can't be hackable, right? And, mm -hmm. and it's true, like the average person, you, you, like if a hacker was to sit down and try to hack a, hack, a, hack a block, he would have to produce like a million codes in a second, okay? And he can't do that. That's why it's not hackable. Mm -hmm. But if we had com quantum computing, which is like yeah. can generate like millions of codes, that's when blockchain can be, can be hacked. But, you know, quantum computing is like so far away, right? Like we still... We're not even close to, to creating that. So yeah. So yeah. And so that's why the, like Bitcoin is is insane because there's all these things that are that have been put in place that naturally just get harder and then you know gets harder to mine. So I'm curious because this is something I didn't understand. So like you said, Bitcoin and blockchain can't exist without the other, and Bitcoin is the result of blockchain technology. Now, so how did all? What I don't understand is then how are all these new cryptocurrencies popping up like ethereum i know there's a like there's a lot more now so are they just create like how you're creating like value and like money out of almost nothing kind of like how bitcoin started so how are they doing it so so that, that's that's a really good uh, question so you know how a company when it goes public they do an ipo right and then yeah. they have a stock so that's one use of tokenization okay so like you're a company you go public instead of you having a stock you just have a token okay so that's one okay. way Another way is utility tokens. So like a token that you can actually use. Let's say like, I don't know, XY supermarket and they have their own token. And now you can use their supermarkets around the world and you can buy groceries with the XY token. So that's another, another idea. But then there's something else like you, you can do an ICO. Khalid can do an ICO. And like, hey, be part of my, be part of my career. This is the Khalid token. You know, you, you can't do that with a stock. The, the New York yeah, Stock Exchange won't allow you to like list Khaled, you know, <laughs> right? But like on a token, you can do it. You can use the blockchain. You can make it so that nobody interferes with these tokens and people can invest in your career. Every time you grow or, you know, your podcast grows, they get a return using yeah. the token. Okay, so you're basically, so in those, like in the examples you use, you're assigning like a medium for the token to be useful. Like instead of, like I said, an IPO, I'm going to use a token. So now instead of buying shares, you buy like tokens to, you know, to buy into the company and with a supermarket. Now you buy these tokens so you can use my products and services. So it's giving like, it's kind of how we use money to buy like everything. It's, it's just another, a token, another new, I guess, wave of money. No, if I'm exactly, not exactly, exactly. Okay. But, okay. but I do want to mention this, like, yeah. That a lot of these alt, they're called altcoins. Okay, so there's okay. Bitcoin, Ethereum, and then you know, like other coins. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like a million other coins. Like a lot of these coins, the best, the best thing that I think they'll be able to do is just be like shares. You know, like just shares mm. of companies. Because yeah. the problem with other coins is that everything that these coins can do, uh, everything that these coins are supposed to do in terms of utility and stuff, you can do with Ethereum. Mm -hmm. yeah, does that make sense? Like, like no, Bitcoin and like Bitcoin and Ethereum are going to be all we ever need, really. Okay. There's an, so that, like that, in terms of utility, in terms of okay. like buying stuff, using. You know? Okay. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Yeah. Like the only reason we have all these different currencies, like dollar and euro and yen, is because every country wants to have their own thing. But with blockchain, you you don't need that, right? Like the blockchain is on the like, let's say, let's say like on the internet, it's on the sure. blockchain, but imagine it's on the internet. Why would you need to have a yen and a euro, right? You just use like the dollar, for example. So. Yeah. So that kind of becomes a new global currency. And I guess some countries don't want that because it's everyone's. It's not my own. I can't, I can't influence it in any way. I can't, you know, devalue or, un like, or overvalue the currency based on what I need for like my economy right now. Exactly. Okay. And you're, now you're getting into another point, which is decentralization, which is the yeah. whole point of the entire thing. 
Like yeah. people forget that, but decentralization is the entire point. Like when you can't mess with the currency, that's when it's decentralized. And that's why it's it's hard for governments to implement crypto, right? Like the whole point <laughs> of a government is to manage things. And yeah. if it's decentralized, like how can they really manage it? You know what I mean? Yeah, I actually, it was interesting. So uh, I read the article that you wrote um, a few days ago about uh, that could Bitcoin replace the US dollar. And one thing that I found interesting was, first of all, you talked about how you referenced like how decentralization started like with the internet and the online era. And now this is the decentralization of finance for the future. But also a point that you said, which I thought was interesting from a government's perspective is not just having influence over it, but from from a security perspective. And I thought, if I'm not mistaken, block, why blockchain is so popular is because of how secure it is. So why is that something that governments would be worried about if it's something that's so secure uh, from that perspective? Because the, the, so that, that's, that's an amazing question. Like you, you, you hit the nail on the head with the whole security issue. Like the blockchain technology makes it more secure, but there's still like human intervention on, on, you know, on how people use it. So for example, you can store your, your Bitcoins directly on the blockchain. But then if you, if you forget your private key, it's lost forever. You can't get it back. Yeah. You, you can't call like the government and be like, hey man, <laughs> you know, I forgot my private key there. Give me like, listen, it's like 15 different lines of codes. You know, we, we can't, really, can't really help you. So your money's lost forever. Another, another um, problem is when you're moving the money. So you move it off the blockchain into your wallet or something, into like a physical USB. Again, if you lose that, you know, you, you've lost your money. So the system that we have now is good because, you, you know, your money is controlled by the bank and they bear all the liability, right? Like if they lose your money, you're like, hey, man, you need to give me my money back. But yeah. you can't like say that to the blockchain. It's just going to look at you and continue to compute codes <laughs> and completely ignore you. you know? That's actually OK. So that make, now I understand that makes a lot of sense. And I never I didn't consider that before because I understood that the attraction to blockchain was a security but like you said if i lose you've seen, and you see stories all the time like people who had a blockchain a bitcoins from like 2010 and like he forgot it it has like now it would be worth like 200 million dollars i would be so upset <laughs> if that was me i had a friend who who had like um just just before it was like eight thousand dollars of bitcoin this is just like a tiny amount right but it became like like seventy thousand over the last uh, seventy thousand dollars over the last few days and uh, I had to help him dig out like 15 exchanges and transfer it and get it back and do all this stuff. And we lost a lot of it. You know what I mean? So it's the, the, the human element really is, 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 the, is the issue. But if we can perfect the human element, then it makes total sense to use blockchain. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Um... That's, that, that's a bigger challenge. You know, that, that is the challenge, the human stuff. <laughs> yeah. How do you account for human error? Because, you know, you, I don't think you can ever get 100% on that. But I'm so with the, with blockchain. So now, because I'm genuinely trying to, uh, uh, this is fantastic for me because I'm learning. So, <laughs> so I have Bitcoin now, right? I bought it at X and now it's worth that. So in a stock market, you have to like, you need to, you, someone needs to want to buy your shares so you can sell them so you make whatever that profit is. How does that work on the blockchain? Because there's, ju I'm just selling my, the coins that I have. So how does it work? Like how do, how can I, let's say I invested today, it went up $10,000 tomorrow and now I want to, you know, I want to get my, that, that 10 grand difference that I've made out. How does that work? Yeah. So you, you just trade it on an exchange. There's cryptocurrency exchanges. And yeah, the okay. same way you sell the stock directly okay. on the market. Like I have now, I had $2,000 worth of Bitcoin. It now became 10,000. I go on the exchange and I enter the market and I sell it to Khaled who wants to buy, you know, $10,000 uh, worth of Bitcoin, worth. even at that price, because he thinks it's going to be 30. But for me, I've already made profit. You know, I don't want to risk losing that. Yeah. You know, it's a okay. typical, typical trade. Okay, gotcha. But, uh, okay, but but the, but the but the nice thing about the stock market is that, like, it stocks are tied to, to technically like stocks are meant to be tied to company growth. Like, the better yeah. Apple does, the better your stock does. It's a bit different with Bitcoin because it's like, 
all right, if people start to believe in Bitcoin and start to lose faith in currency, because if people buy Bitcoins, it, it means the system, like Bitcoin is sucking fiat money, which is like, you know, dollar, euro and stuff. It's sucking it out of the system, right? Mm. If Bitcoin goes up, it means more fiat money is going into the system. So, so that's like when you sell stock, when you buy and sell stocks, why, why I like that is because it's tied to company growth. Bitcoin is a bit harder to, you know, you got to have like, got to be a bit tougher to yeah. be like, okay, you know, our system is going to fail or not going to fail, but it needs to be revolutionized. Bitcoin is the next best technology we have. That's why Bitcoin is going to go up and then you start to invest. Yeah. It's a bit different than the stocks. Mm. And I think that's a good point that you said that that is tied to companies and company growth. But I think with, and Bitcoin is purely perception and you know the public perception but similarly like with the stock market if you think because i was talking i can't remember who i was talking to about this the other day what i don't like about the stock market is i think and it kind of plays into bitcoin too is perception because let's say for example i own a company uh and there's a, a rumor goes out that i'm the ceo and i'm going to believe in the company whether that rumor is true or not that's going to have an influence on this, like people, whoever has shares in the company, that's going to have an influence on their perception of, oh, maybe it's time to sell because this guy's leaving, even if I don't. So similarly with Bitcoin news or like rumors or whatever it might be can also have a big influence on that. So the question becomes, what's better? You know what I mean? It, it's it, it, exactly. This is like a huge debate. Um, Warren Buffett, I don't say he hates crypto, but he's always <laughs> been against crypto. Okay. But Warren Buffett is the most successful investor that we know of. All right. There, there may be investors who've made hundreds of billions that maybe like they're secretive and yeah, they don't talk about it. But the one yeah. that we know for a fact is Warren Buffett. And his method was to buy undervalued companies that he understood through, you know, as many facts as he can get, that they're going to perform well. That was his thinking. I like that because you know, he, he's, he technically he's buying uh, faith in human performance. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. he sees a company, he sees the concept, he sees the people behind it. He's like, yeah, it's undervalued. I'm going to get this. And that made him the richest investor in the world, right? Yeah. It's a bit different with, with, uh, with Bitcoin. It's, it's a bit more difficult because it's harder to analyze like the entire ecosystem and governments and stuff. It's very difficult, but... Uh, yeah. but this is the the main difference, I, I think. Anyway. Yeah, uh, no, I think that's good. That's a that's a good point. That, for example, using the example of Warren Buffett, that he could really study and analyze it, and there's like history and data to like prove that. But with Bitcoin, yes, you might have some of that data, but it's it's not as what's the word? Not as solid. Not as you know. Not like yeah. But you saw yesterday it was like this, and the next day it was like worth ten times that much. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It reflects like the volatility reflects in the price. Yeah. Because we don't know. <laughs> because yeah. we don't know, the price changes every day. You know, like exactly. When, when, like back in uh, 2017, we we were accepting a lot of our company revenue. Oh man, I hope this doesn't get me in trouble. <laughs> but we, we we were accepting a lot of our company revenue in Bitcoin and Ethereum, and we were one of the first events in the world to do that. In the Middle okay. East, for sure, we were the first. But like in the world, we were one of the first and we accepted like Bitcoin and Ethereum, Bitcoin was 4,000. Ethereum was like 300. By the end of the first event, Bitcoin was 18K and Ethereum was 1,300. So we tripled our company revenue just by taking the risk of, because we had to accept that Bitcoin and then we had to go and like find traders <laughs> and it's like company <laughs> revenue. It's not like our, you know what I mean? It's not like personal money, but, uh, but, it, yeah. but it, it, was, it was a big risk, but it worked out really well. But then, the next event, uh, I remember the first payment we got, you know, whatever, like $30,000 and we received it in Bitcoin. <laughs> and then the next day I woke up and that payment was like $12,000. Oh like Bitcoin my God. Just, it just like crashed. So, so then I made a decision, you know what? Like, I'm not, I'm not doing this with company revenue. If I accept it in Bitcoin, I'm going to use it as like a tool that I can just accept it in Bitcoin. And then I like, we liquidated immediately. Yeah, but, uh, you, but yeah, that 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 never happens with the uh, normal currency, you know. Yeah, of course. You wake up the next day and like fifty percent of it's gone. But uh, yeah, but I think that's <laughs> that's that's so funny how how you've 
ex in your like in just two events you experience the highs of it and the lows of it literally yeah in four months yeah. i experienced like the the beginning the, the top and the <laughs> end maybe something you could do is uh i was just, just thinking out loud like to have some sort of a balance you know it'd be like i'll accept like we'll, let's say we hunt this is my revenue it's 100 percent 80% of it I'm going to take as currency and then the last 20 I'll take as that if I if if you can have if you can risk it if you have the ability to take that risk if you want yeah absolutely but you, but you never know that that's actually the, the formula that most like uh, I don't say most but some investors have talked about this like uh, Mark Mark Cuban talks about this he says you know take 10% of whatever you make even every month or every sale or whatever you want and then you can invest that in bitcoin or you know, put a little bit in stocks and a little bit. So that's what I do now. Like with my personal finance, yeah. Uh, personal, yeah. I take 10% and I just throw it in Bitcoin and I just like forget about it. Like, I, yeah, I look at it as like a 10-year thing. Actually, every time I analyze the pattern of, of, of Bitcoin, it's like six months of volatility, a few months of really being down, and then a few months of booming. And then it just yeah. repeats over and over and over. So if you yeah. wait 10 years, you're definitely going to make an insane return. Even if you yeah. like catch it, you know, 10 years later, you sell out it down, you're still making huge return. More than what, yeah, because I guess as time goes on, the popularity of all these things is going to just, uh, crypto is just going to increase more and more. Absolutely. Like unless Bitcoin fails, <laughs> then you're screwed. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But if, but, if it, but if it becomes like a thing that's meant to stay, then it's because there's only 21 million, right? So it's going to keep getting more, you know, expensive, to buy it as it goes on. The value is going to have to increase unless one day the government's like, you know what? We're going to find the blockchain and burn it down. <laughs> you know, which, which they can't do. So yeah, like that's actually turn off the internet. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. You can't yeah, turn just, off the internet. No, uh, that'd be a disaster to be honest. <laughs> yeah, but you, can't, you can't do it. Like you'd have to, yeah. you'd have to, you know, you'd have to go through all of the oceans of the world and cut like cables and stuff. <laughs> And there's more ocean than land, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So yeah, it's 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 impossible. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I was I was thinking. So, is block because is blockchain technology is can what else in like the financial world can that be like applied to? Like, are there fintech companies now that are like using block blockchain? And what like what do they use it for? Is it security? Is it because I'm not familiar. Sure, sure. So, so we actually have a company that came to our event that uh, is in Italy, and they're doing uh, they're revolutionizing the bond system. So the guy who created the company was a lawyer who, had to, who was working in the financial sector. He was dealing with bonds, and he's like, all the government bonds in Italy are like done on paper and stuff. You know, like they're still done. Like they're not fully done on paper, obviously. Like, but like a huge part of the entire system, even if it's online or whatever, done through the bank. There's still a lot of it on paper, and he, and he, he, you know, his idea was that he'll put those government bonds on the blockchain. So, like, you know how bonds are like three years or five years or ten years. Yeah. It, imagine you can just store it on the blockchain for ten years. You don't have to deal with paper or a bank, uh, you know, trading it for you or selling it, or you just put it on the blockchain and you forget about it. And ten years later, it unlocks one of the blocks, unlocks, and you just. So it's being used as a tool to revolutionize the stuff that already exists. Okay. Like bonds, trading, uh, IPOs, you know, replacing stocks. Yeah. That kind of stuff. So anything you could do on the internet, you could do on the, on the blockchain. Okay. Interesting. So from, so I'm just, just so I have a full understanding. So listening to how you've been speaking about it. So the block, the blockchain is kind of like the internet. It's this thing. It's this thing that everyone can use in whatever way they want. It's not that each company or whatever can create their own version of like a blockchain. It's just like the internet. Everything's there. And the and so when you say put it on the blockchain, everyone's putting it on the same system or the same concept, right? Or well, well, n no, because you can actually okay. create your own blockchain as well. Oh, okay. So you, okay. Yeah, you can create your own blockchain, but most like like a blockchain within the blockchain does that make sense like a mini internet on the internet yeah like a little like you have your own like servers within the big the big thing exactly exactly gotcha so so yeah so so the, the most like the most used 
blockchain network is the Ethereum network. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Man, this is so interesting. I, I, this is like something. There's a lot to uncover. And by the way, like even like, uh, so I am by no means a blockchain expert. Okay. I'm just, I just deal with like thousands of companies who have done so many different things with, with blockchain. And because it's my job to bring them on board, I, I get to listen to like all those experts and what they say and yeah. how they're using their blockchain and stuff. So that's, yeah. that's how I learned. But even blockchain experts still don't really know because like there's so much stuff going on. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's very interesting. There's so much yeah. to learn. Yeah, no, for sure. But like, like you said, even if you're not an expert, the fact that you're dealing with, you learn, you learn, you learn through speaking to all these people who are actually using this company. So that's how you get your understanding. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and like, you don't really need such a, I mean, we don't really know how the internet works fully, right? <laughs> we just know that like we open a browser and somehow that browser can take me to Google and yeah. I can use my emails. That's all you, you really need to know. You don't need to be like a mathematician or a coder to, to understand yeah 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 as long as i can get to you know like youtube and some games i'm pretty happy so yeah, i feel you <laughs> um i wanted to come back to so the uh the event so you got into blockchain and uh, sorry blockchain into bitcoin in 2017 so where did the idea why did you think an event is the way to is the way that you wanted to go about it and how did you how did you start like walk us through that process from like okay i want to get into bitcoin this is how but i want to understand what was the thought process why an event like walk us through that journey okay okay i'm gonna actually tell you about the journey okay and this is like this is like like hardcore entrepreneurship and like maybe not the best way to be an entrepreneur but but it's but it's interesting how how it works so i used to work at pwc right and then i moved to a bank I was working at this bank and they were making me work double shifts and they were not paying me for the second shift. And like, I had to be at the bank. So I had to like lock the doors. I couldn't just bounce and be like, yo, you're not paying me for the second shift. I'm out, <laughs> you know, because then they'll pin me as you didn't lock the, the vault and you know, we lost, we lost money. So that was, that was a very horrible experience working in the bank, double shift and stuff. But during that time I was, I was, I was going through all this, like reading all this, uh, positive self-affirmation stuff and like, you know, trying to, trying to really like increase my income. And, uh, and then I had a friend who, who, who a girl, a girl told him, Hey man, <laughs> what is Bitcoin? <laughs> and he was like, yo, what are you talking about? You know? And then, and then he just, he, he, he just started to research it and he's, he was an entrepreneur, he started to research it. And then one day he called me up and he's like, Hey man, I have, I have an insane idea. And if you, if you trust me, I need you to join. And I just felt it, you know, and, and then I quit the bank on the spot. I didn't even oh, know wow. what, what he was. I swear to God, I didn't even know what he's talking about. I just quit the bank because I also hated the bank. And then we sat down together and, you know, again, we analyzed. Um, we, we started to get into blockchain and we understood like, wow, this is going to be at least a big part of the future. And if we wanted to make a, Bit, a Bitcoin, a cryptocurrency exchange, that was going to cost like a million dollars to set up. So, you know, that was out of the question. We kept looking at different stuff. And then we realized, you know, if we did an event, all we really need is a website, right? And then we can just start to, you know, we can get the venue and we can do all the stuff, but we can kind of build along the way. So that's what I did. I, I got a web developer. I had like, you know, literally like 5,000 dirhams, which is like $1,500. Got a web developer, sold my bed. I had like a little studio I used to live in. I'm not even kidding, man. I sold my bed and uh, yeah, I, I got a table <laughs> so I can hire part-time employees and I'll just sleep on the couch and like I would work. And within like two weeks, I made a sale of $15,000 and I took that to like $500,000 over the next three months. So it also helped me understand that there's no, like there's no right way to be an entrepreneur and there's no right way to make money there's no limits on how fast you know what i mean it broke a lot of like crap for me yeah and i was like so 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 that's so that's how i personally went through that journey but uh the reason i ch- we chose the event again is just the least capital intensive thing and it w- and it's more about like can you deliver you know so that yeah. entire time it was a huge risk right because of course. i'm taking clients money and you know we, we i mean we we, we had a, we had a legal company so we did everything legally, but we you know we're taking clients' money, but 
you know, there's still the product, the service, the service is the end result, right? Yeah. Like the service of what they're paying for is the, is the event. So it was just one of those things, like you have the balls to, <laughs> to do it and then to, to make sure you deliver, you know, and then yeah. we delivered. We had, an, we had an amazing event. We had two events that year, 2017, 2018, and 2017 was the largest event in the history of uh, blockchain events in the Middle East. Wow. And uh, yeah, 2018 was a decent one as well. That's amazing. So, so yeah, so, so, so yeah, this, this broke everything I knew about money and work and career. Just, yeah. It taught me that there's there are no rules. There's just like guidelines for how you can do things, but there's no rules. Yeah, and I think I think that's a good point, especially now. Like nowadays, there's ten million and one ways to you know to make money to be successful. And a friend of mine, we were I remember we were driving along, and he's like, Khalid, literally, you can go on YouTube now today, and you could learn anything in the world and i'm like and i i was aware of that but when he said it i'm like oh my god that's so true like no matter what you know anything so you have access to all the tools now it's just kind of like it's obviously time is one is a factor and picking the right one that you think matches you so coming back to the event so first year the, the first one 2017 now as an event for you guys from your perspective what was what did you have to like? Like you said, you're getting clients' money, and you needed to deliver the product or service. So, what from what in your mind was, what did you have to deliver at that event? What did you have to do to make it successful? Because you got the people now. It's like, how do we make this a good event? Okay, yeah, that's 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 a great question. So, the event is a marketing tool. In the list of marketing things, there's you know, paid advertising, there's online, social media, and then there's events. It's a form of marketing, right? So that, that by itself is, is a product, having an event where people can network and stuff, but then delivering high, so we try to do it in a way where we're a blockchain investment event. So when these okay. blockchain companies come to us, they're paying to meet as many investors as possible. So we will try to bring investors to the event. And, uh, you know, we, we, we would partner up with different kind of, so in, in Dubai, we, when people go to these events all over the world for investment, anything, not just blockchain, they look for VCs, venture capitals, uh, family offices, you know, high net worth individuals. The good thing about Dubai in the Middle East, we have a lot of very high net worth individuals. We have a lot of royals and family offices. Uh, we don't have many VCs. We do have some. So, so that's what made Dubai different for these companies. They would get to meet these royals and you know, government and uh, high net worth individuals. So that's what we would deliver at the event. And then, of course, yeah. you know, we made sure that they got a good speaking spot, that they had a nice fancy booth and, you know, all the typical event stuff. But the idea yeah. was they come and they meet these investors to close deals. And we've had we've had a, uh, we've had one customer who did five hundred thousand dollars worth of business in a day. And wow. he paid, you know, sixteen thousand dollars to be there. But yeah. of course, we had a lot of other customers who just came to just be there. and They didn't get any deals. But but that's that's the that's the tricky thing with, with events, you know, like. The, the customer dissatisfaction can be high because mm. you know, people think I'll come to the event and I'll just close millions of deals. But it's it's a form of lead generation tool. It's a networking yeah, tool. For sure. So, you know? yeah. so, yeah, so that's, I hope that answered the question. Yeah, yeah, no. No, 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 it does. And actually, perfectly segues to my next question. Um, so I also read your article about about the 1% of companies make 100% of the money at conferences. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. And then I found found out that 21% of marketing budgets are spent on events. That blew my, that blew my mind. That's a lot of money. That's a lot. Like would, when a company... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, please, please go. Like when a company sets out to do a marketing budget, they're like 20% goes into Google ads and Facebook ads. 20% uh, goes into PR. PR, by the way, is completely underrated. Okay, The ability to get a, if you can get a backlink on Forbes, don't come to my event. Okay, <laughs> Do that. <laughs> if you can get a backlink on Forbes for like $4,000, that's better than anything you could do. Yeah. PR is insane. SEO, SEO related PR. It's crazy. Then, you know, some on SEO and then, yeah, some on events. So companies spend all this money to go to events. But, you, you know, what I really like about being a human being is that even though we're, we're these, we're humans with emotions and stuff, we've been able to make da data 
and the data never lies. Like the numbers never yeah. lie. You know, like exactly. 1% yeah. of the world owns all the wealth. It's the same thing for the events. Like 1% of those companies perform. Same thing in sales. Like in sales companies, 1% of the salespeople make all the revenue. And the other salespeople are just employees that just get by. You know, they're just like buffers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just there. Yeah. So, so which, which leads me back to blockchain. That's why I really like blockchain because, you know, the smartest humans created algorithms that we can just trust, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Same, the same thing like the data. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so, yeah, so that's what I found out. Like 1% of the companies pretty much make all the money. Yeah. And what was interesting as well is because I looked, so you said there's three things to be successful at the conference. There's the skin in the game, there's the follow-up, and there's attitude. Now, the skin in the game part I understood because you said your sponsors who have invested high, like more money to have like the booths and so on have more reason, like we've invested a certain amount, so we have more reason to like make the most of every opportunity and, you know, create meetings and all that kind of stuff. But the question I have is because you said obviously you have attendees as well who are not sponsors of the event and they don't do as well. Now, I'm curious, in your opinion, can you still be successful at the events if you haven't had, if you don't have the skin in the game, but you're a beast at like the follow up and attitude? Yes, 100%, 100%. So like, again, one of the things that makes what I've noticed, okay, in my personal life, the entrepreneurs yeah. that are very successful, at least in Dubai, the ones that I know and I can see, are always the ones that are so careful when we go out. Like the dudes who have the most money are always the guys who are like, hey, Mina, this place is going to cost us 500 dirhams for dinner. Why are we doing this? Like, let's go to this place. It's 100. You know what I mean? And I'm mm. like, and I'm thinking to myself, dude, you drive a brand new G-Wagon. <laughs> mm. You live in a penthouse. Like, but that's, that's the attitude. So unfortunately, though, not a lot of people can do that. Not a lot of people can utilize free things, something that's for free, and turn it into a profit. Because, you know, most people don't have that mindset. Otherwise, every, everyone would be a millionaire. It's really not that hard to, 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 to make money. So, yes, some people have the ability to try to get things for free and make the most out of it. But for most people, it works better when they feel pressured. And that form of pressure is when you actually pay for something, right? Like when you pay for something, you're like, yo, man, I got to make use of this because yeah. I just spent all this money on it. You know what I mean? So yeah. unless you can do that other thing, which is eventually what everybody should do, you should try to be disciplined enough to make use of everything and always try to get stuff for free as much as you can. Yeah, <laughs> you know? for sure. But skin in the game is like pressure. You need yeah. that pressure sometimes. For sure. And it kind of holds you, I think it's a very good point because it holds you like accountable. It's almost like if I've paid let's say a couple thousand for like a gym membership. I, I can I can skip it once, maybe twice, but after a while, I'm gonna be like, I'm, I feel like an asshole now because I've paid all this money and like I'm not using it. So it's that, that pressure is gonna get me to go and get things done. Yeah, yeah. And that can be seen as a tool. Like, you know what? Yeah. If I think I'm gonna be lazy on something, let me just pay for it to make sure I, you know, it's like a form of pressure, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And also what was interesting um, in, when it came to the follow-up so because my background is in sales so when i saw follow-up i'm like nice. i'm like of course because in sale, if there's no follow-up there's no sales this is what i learned in all my experience like you, and not just like one follow-up like you have to follow up a million times and then obviously you get to a point if they don't okay it's fine no worries but usually it's the follow-ups that get you the thing and you said that the successful ones were interacting with the clients that they met on an average eight touch points, which is actually what usually takes, they say, to make a sale anyway. Right? 100%. Six yeah. to eight meetings to close the average sale. That's the exactly. statistic. Yeah. And I love what you said that most companies make sales, but the best companies make relationships because that is what it's about. Like you can have one good day. I can come to the event. I could make, let's say, I don't know, 100 grand, whatever. Okay, that's a good day. But did I, did I develop those relationships after? If I have long term the value of that is going to be much more than just that one day which i think was a, a very good way to put it yeah 100 percent um so uh, the i i learned this really late in business but a successful business is built on the foundation of repeat customers because if you don't have income that continues to come in monthly you're fighting for new business all the time which is yeah. very difficult to do it's very difficult to get new yeah. customers right otherwise Everybody can start a business and stuff, you know, so like getting new customers is difficult. But if you build relationships, you have 
like income that keeps coming in because you know you have a relationship with the person yeah so that's yeah that's super important Absolutely. for sure for sure because obviously you need something to keep you keep things going keep things moving cash flow like all that kind of stuff i'm curious now so you've done so you how many events have you done so far four we we've done four and one four. virtual one in uh, Corona. okay yeah so so yeah Fine. perfect because i was gonna that's where i was going next so how so last year, like 2020, I'm sure your event had to be moved unless you guys did it before lockdown. It was no, no, no. We, we, it we, we did. We, yeah, yeah. In 2020, okay. uh, like start of 2020, we were planning a physical event in March. Then we had to do it uh, virtual. Okay. So how did that affect you guys? Because a virtual event, like when you bring like all these companies together, like and they're walking around and they're meeting people and they're talking when everyone's just in like a Zoom. How did you, how was that experience? Was it challenging? Was it did you have was it successful? What, what would you say now looking back? It, it was it was challenging because like there's, you know, if you start an event company today based off the information that we have over the last 20 years, whatever company you start, you have these guidelines of practices that you can use, you know, and then, you know, you can create your own practices, but at least you have some sort of guideline, but with virtual events, like people have been running virtual events, but it's so un, not, not unpopular, but it's not common that, you know, I had to create my own kind of guidelines. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And that was difficult, but that was also amazing because it taught me that, wow, I just, I was able to, you know, if, if you really put your mind to it, there's no, there are really no rules to business. Like you can be creative and create a service or product and value it at your own price and somebody will pay for it if they see the value sure so that was so that was exciting but of course you know it was it was difficult because it's not the same revenue it's like you know a lot less uh, revenue but at the same time a lot less cost so it's easier to scale but it's a whole different ball game so that was i, t I took it as a learning experience you know yeah so it taught us something something different for sure. but, but yeah, it, it can't replace the, the it's like a, it's like a, uh, it, it's more of a lead generation tool than the actual. So the actual event is a lead generation tool and a networking hub and a place mm. for relationships. Virtual events were just like lead generation, you know, yeah. like a pre-relationship until we meet physically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What, in your experience, what have you found to be for the for the live events what have you found to be the the most successful thing is it putting in the work i i know both are important but from your experience is it the pre-event the pre-event or post-event that is most important that companies should be focusing on because i look at it in two ways i'm like okay pre-event i can start reaching out to companies developing conversations so when i meet you it's already warm and it's not cold and we can you know get in and hopefully there's a better chance of you know something happening and obviously the post-event is important because we need to follow up and develop that relationship so in your experience which is like what's more important should focus on the post or the pre see what you mean yeah if i had to choose one honestly yeah. if i had to choose one i would focus on the post and okay. i'll make sure that in the event i'm networking as much as i can and then after the event, I follow up as much as I can. But the ideal scenario is that you do both. You warm sure. up the relationships, you come into the event, you make the pitch, whatever, and then you're just following up on invoices or meetings or that that would be the perfect sales uh, cycle. Yeah. And from, from, so from the live events, so from event one to event four, I'm sure at each event, you know, things change, you know, you learn some things. But in those four events, what is from one to four, what is the biggest thing you learned in that experience? Like across those four events and building the events and, you know, the experience and the service. Like what, what was the biggest learning that you took away? That's really, that's a really good question. So because I'm in blockchain and I, again, I'm, I'm only in events because of blockchain. It's my way of being uh, in the industry. Um, but yeah, it's very interesting because the, depending on Bitcoin's price, <laughs> the performance are, of our events is very effective. Right? Like if Bitcoin yeah. is really high, all these people are at the event and it's like almost twofold. And if Bitcoin is low, it's like a struggle to get people in. But, uh, you know, then the people come in are very technology based or very serious investors. You know, so it like really changes all the time. So that was one learning experience is that in other industries, you don't see this. You don't notice as much 
how the external factors affect your business. Mm. But in mm. blockchain, you get it. You're like, wow, man, this is this is a big difference. So that was one thing. I learned okay. how important it is to assess the general environment or the general economy. Um, and then another thing is I learned that sometimes uh, quantity is better than quality. <laughs> quantity is better than quality? Yeah. Okay, interesting. Well, tell me about that. So that goes through, like, that goes against a lot of the traditional <laughs> advice for business, right? And people think that, you know, you got to perfect things and stuff. But also when you perfect things, you spend a lot of time. And I could be making five shitty sales, but then be focusing on one sale that, you know, like, let's say like you're focusing so hard on this one $10,000 sale. But at that same time, you could have made six or seven small $3,000, $4,000 sales. And, you know, that's like double. Like if you add that revenue, it's like double. So sometimes quantity is more important than quality. Of course, quality is very important. You should never skimp on quality. But if it's, if it's distracting you from doing mass things and doing things in a big, uh, big number, then you, you, you need to like bring it down a bit. Like it's better to not have perfect stuff, but your machine is going and then you're, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's no. difficult to grasp, but yeah. like perfection is a form of insecurity. And yeah. this, is, this is so important in business. As an artist, this is not important. You need to perfect things because you have that time. You're an artist, right? You can just sit there and design things. But in business, you cannot do that because by the time you're trying to perfect the product, your competition has already sold 10, even though mm. it's like, a, it's like less, you know, less quality than yours. Yeah, yeah quantity... It's sometimes better than quality. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very, that's a very refreshing way of looking at it. But I see what you mean. Um, it, it, and you're right, it does go against the traditional, you know, quality and so on. Um, I like how I think the learning that you took to understand that the value of Bitcoin, that external factor, how much that's going to play into your event, helps you also. I think in planning in expectation of the values looking to generate from that event because like if it's low you're going to project it this way if it's high you're going to be like okay this we can we can do something we can do a lot here um but also i think on the perfection part is it's a very good point because even me when i was i remember when i started the the podcast i would try to you don't understand bro i would spend like two or three hours editing and it was just audio there was no video at the time and a friend of mine came who also has a podcast. It's after like a while I was doing it. And he's like, man, if you can get it 80% there, it's, 80% is good. 80% is good. And, you know, 80% is great. Yeah. If you get 80%, no one's really going to care. Only you, if you like in your own mind, but everyone else is going to be very happy with 80 or 90%. That last 10, 20, take that because that's time now that you've saved to do whatever else you want to do. So I totally understand. Like, I totally get like where you're coming from with that. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 tough, you know, because like one of the things that I think we're worst at is really analyzing the level of our skill, right? Like a guy like Elon Musk does more quantity than me by millions, <laughs> and he can do that at a at a much higher quality. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, I have to understand, like, okay, if I spend this much time on uh, on quality. How much quantity, how much content can I actually produce? So then I, I you know, I got to like, I got to like balance. fix that. Yeah, I have to balance that within myself. And then that, that naturally gets better. So now mm. you can produce more uh, content and, and better quality. It's tough, man. Being a human being is very tough. Yeah, for sure, man. 100%. Uh, I always say we, because we're funny. We're the most, if because I study a lot of like, so I'm a hypnotherapist as well. So I understand and I do study a lot of uh, like research on psychology and like how people work and stuff. So I always say with like people we're the most, we're all the same. We all work in the same way yet. So we're very predictable in that sense, but we're also the most unpredictable creatures in the world because everything comes, there's emotion that plays into it. And that's what makes everything unpredictable. So I totally, <laughs> I totally agree with you. Um, I wanted to come back to this uh, just one question because I know for your event, you guys, uh, you, you're constantly communicating with like C-levels C and CEOs and company owners and like high net with individuals and so on. So I, by now, I'm sure 
you're a lot more like comfortable with it. You have the track record. So when you speak, you know, there's that. Maybe that <laughs> really? So I'm, I'm curious from like, I'm curious when you started, how like, how was that for you compared to like now? Like how, how do you, like um, you've improved for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, 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 that's an amazing question, actually, because the answer is something that I myself wouldn't even like, like think about. But when I, I always had like a natural ability for sales. Uh, okay. I just, I always feel comfortable talking to new people, but uh, I, I didn't know that I was a consultant, big four, <laughs> completely different uh, than, than what my actual skills, skill set was. So I never had an issue uh, talking to people. And I, and I started this company when I was like a lot younger, so I was less mature, but I, I never had a problem uh, speaking to people. But are you asking if it gets easier, like doing sales and stuff? I'm kind of asking like when you first started, like when you, I'm look, I'm trying to think event one, you're getting all these guys and you're trying to like speak to people and there isn't, you don't have the track record that gives you that more of that like confidence to, you know, to sell the product. And now you do, of course, I'm sure there's with sales is always going to be that it never go, we're humans it never get, goes away, but you get better. You get better over time. Yeah. You get better. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You get better at, at, at lead qualification. You get better at, a lot of the stuff around the actual sales. I think that's 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 important. Like you should get better at everything that makes your sale take less time. I think that's that's more important. Yeah. But but the sale for me never changed. Like the way I speak, someone is the same. I just now know like, okay, this kind of person can probably pay. <laughs> this yeah. kind of person probably can't. <laughs> yeah. This is a real investor. This is not. But yeah, when I first started, like, I don't know, man. I don't know how I did that, but like. I was talking as if I had already done 50 events mm. and I was the most experienced guy. And, you know, like I knew everything and just, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's, you have to be a little bit uh, ignorant, <laughs> you know, <laughs> got to be a little bit ignorant and just be yeah. like, you know what? I just, I believe this is going to happen. Yeah. This, this is the, this is the thing that I really like is that you can, you can, uh, you can sway the truth or twist, the truth or make it look better or market it market the truth as much as you want but you have to deliver you know of course. if you can yeah. deliver no no one cares no one yeah. cares exactly. but if you can't deliver that's that's when you that's when things don't don't look so good exactly and i think you uh you said a very good point that like i love when you started that you were talking and saying it as if like, yeah, bro, I've done this like a hundred times i'm the like you sell it yes and it comes back to in, to sales in a way that because uh, I had someone on the podcast recently and we were talking about the difference between true value and perceived value. If I can, I know what the true value of this product is, but if I can market it, like you said, or set a, or show, create a perceived value for you that you're willing to pay for, then as long as the true value is good, it's not shit, of course, you're going to be happy paying for that. 100%. 100%. Like, the, the, this is the, by the way, this is the dilemma that VCs face all the time is that, how like you might have the best product in the world or the best concept. Okay. Unless your product is so good, like Tesla, like Tesla is such a good product that it sells itself. So this yeah. is, this is like now you're a tier one. That's a billion dollar startup. The product is so good or the service is so freaking good that it does the job by itself. Then there's tier two companies. Like you have a good product where you need salespeople. And then there's, you know, the tiers go down. The, the more the tiers go down, the more you need, sales skills to actually uh like succeed but yeah, yeah. sales skills are, are are insanely important and marketing skills 100 percent, man it's, it's, yes what, what was your first podcast like how did you feel <laughs> um my first that's a that's a good question i remember episode my first episode man it feels so long ago now um it was just with a friend and i kind of my podcast podcast is aimed to help people but i wanted it the inspiration came from like joe rogan i loved how it was just you know free flow whatever so i remember my first episode the first two or three were like two hours and a half two hours and i'm like that's fine and i wasn't really a structure to it but i realized that listen if i want to help someone then i need to change this i have to change this up it needs to be less time if it goes over fine if the conversation is great i'm never going to put a stop to a podcast but typically in the 45 to an hour and a half range is where you can get like a, you know mountains of like content um so first episode it was just me and a friend we we're just talking about you know relationships and the past and blah 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 and then 
as time has gone on, like now the prep I do, the research, even the questions, even how I speak, it's night and day. It's honestly night and day. So, so hope it helps again is, is, does it go into like all topics or is it mainly just like uh, startup related? Anything, man. Honestly, I've had. Uh, Because the ones that I've watched have been mainly about like startups and, and yeah. business. Yeah, exactly. But and that's kind of my my vision with like with it is I want to expand into as many different topics and stuff as possible because that just brings so many more like like ways you can get into the podcast. Like for you, for example, which is interesting that although the ones you checked out were all business and stuff because that's what you like. It's like you know SEO, I mean? you know, yeah. SEO. Yeah, gave exactly. Me the ones that are related to me. Exactly. There you go. So I gave you. the business and then there's you know for fitness there's fashion there's literally anything doctors therapy whatever you want like alhamdulillah it's been an amazing experience and i've had some incredible people on and we are we are still in the early days much more to come but it's okay for sure man um mina i just have two more questions for you and these are questions i ask all my guests looking back now over the last a couple of years what are you most proud of Uh, I, I'm proud that I've been able to like create my own independence in the system. Does, does that make sense? Like I was able to live, li, li, uh, create business or create income using no guidelines that I've set before me. Now that's that's not the best thing. Okay, I, I'm not again like I never wanted to. It's not that I never wanted to be in business, but I landed in business. Yeah, because my job was shitty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it forced me to, and I saw an opportunity, and things aligned uh, in a way. But I'm happy that I've been able to, you know, uh, create the confidence and create the ability to create income without guidelines. I think that's 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 important. That can give a person a lot of self confidence. If anybody wants to be an entrepreneur, I think that's a good way to go about it. Maybe not try to think of money and wealth and be my own boss, but just try to think. As a human being, can I like create income in this system without people having to tell me what to sell or what what to write? I think that that's 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 maybe what I'm most proud of. Yeah. So finding uh, finding a way to be creative, basically, pick the industry or the niche that you want and figure out a creative way to get into it. Like you said, you landed in it, but also that's kind of I think that's how. A lot of people fall into things sometimes, you know, bad job, blah, blah, blah. I've always wanted to do this. You talk to this guy, one, two, three, and then you know, next thing you know, you're like, you started, you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So I totally get that. And for my last question, Mina, this is a question I ask all the guests is what is the message you'd like everyone to take home with them today? Hmm. Okay. That's, that's all right. Let's, let's try to sum this up without sounding cheesy or, <laughs> or, or, or sounding mis, misleading. Okay. Here's a nice message. Okay. Try to be as realistic as you can be while maintaining as much optimism as you can to do things that, that don't make sense for you, but things that you think are going to be rewarding in your life, things that you're not going to regret once you die. You know? Yeah. And that, that like formula, 80% realism and you know, 40% optimism, whatever, right? Yeah. And 60% actually doing stuff will probably lead you to a life that one day you won't regret. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. So dream, so dream, reality, action, and what was the last one you said? Dream, reality, action, and optimism. And optimism, yeah. Optimism. Okay. Which, which, leads, which leads to as minimal regret as possible, which <laughs> means a, a, a more fulfilling life or as fulfilling as you, know, as you can make your life. Yeah, I think that's a great message, man. And uh, I think the four things you mentioned are important because we all like it's like dreaming is great and everyone should dream. I have dreams. You have dreams. We have things we want to achieve. But also there has to be an element of realism or reality into it to be like, how how can you get that dream? Um, but also like, please. And, and I, 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 I'm sorry that I'm uh, cutting you off, but I, I think it's important. Like that doesn't mean that So let's say I want to go to, to, to Mars, okay? Let's say I'm, I'm Elon Musk right now and I want to go to Mars. If I really want to go to Mars, that's a valid dream, okay? Dreams, nobody can judge your dreams. 
But then I got to make a plan. Like, okay, I probably need to raise, you know, $500 million <laughs> to start building rockets. And then maybe, so, you know, that, that should lead you to step one, which is, okay, mm. I'm good at uh, PowerPoint presentations. Let me now go to consulting firms and I'm going to outsource my skills, which is I'm going to build them presentations and that's going to be my business. And if yeah. I make $100 per presentation, whatever, that's, that's now my business. And then that should lead you to your ultimate dream. But like the, the issue is that people have these big dreams and they think I got to do this dream now. And if it doesn't work, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so there's no actual path to get to your wildest dreams. Yeah. So it's having the dream and then creating the best realistic first step and then just figuring out as you go along. Yeah, thank you. You like decoded the words for me. <laughs> for some reason, I, I couldn't put it that way, which sounds now much simpler. Yeah, yeah. you set it up. I just helped bring it home. <laughs> uh, Mila, man, I wanted to say thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been an absolutely fantastic conversation. I learned so much from you about entrepreneurship and Bitcoin and fintech. So at least now if I'm talking to someone, I'll be like, actually, I, I know some things right now. <laughs> so just... You're like, you're like, now you, you're, you're pretty much, so 80% of the people who call themselves Bitcoin experts, uh, experts, you're, you're now a Bitcoin expert. <laughs> you're on with those dudes. That's good. That's good. I look forward to having those conversations. Um, but yeah, man, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Uh, I appreciate it. This was super fun. Super, super fun. Awesome, man. Glad you enjoyed it. Guys, to everyone listening, thank you so much. And as always, hope it helps. Peace.